Hi everyone, welcome to the Cloud Architect podcast, a podcast about cloud technology and the people using it. Welcome everyone, Nicholas Blank here with my co-host Warren Dutoy. Hello again. For more information on this podcast as well as other shows, browse to our website, thearchitects.cloud. In today's podcast, we're going to be speaking to Alistair Pugin. Welcome Alistair and great to have you on the show. Good um, good morning. It is morning, or should I say good now, like my good friend Daryl from Australia says. Good now. So we know each other for a while, and we all in the, the MVP community together. Well, the three of us are, are MVPs of different flavors. I'm Exchange, you are SharePoint, and Warren is Azure. However, we've all known each other for a while. So how do we know each other, Al? Good question. I'm trying to figure out when we actually met, probably at Microsoft Cape Town, I think. And then we jumped on a call because you wanted site mailboxes enabled in SharePoint, and then the relationship grew from there. I actually think I met you at the airport with a shared friend of ours who introduced me to you, and I saw that you had an HTTP tag tattooed to the back of your neck. That would have been 2011. And since then, you have a proud history of tattooing things to your body which have got some semblance towards technology. Damn straight. That's the only thing that will go in my body. The thing is, you always hear those horror stories where someone goes and they get some calligraphy done in Chinese and <clears throat> some form of Cantonese and all of that. And then they get it translated and it says, Coke is life. Instead of some Hebrew text. <laughs> uh, so so I, I prefer to govern things, so objects and any of the text, because I've got quite a bit of text since, uh, that I had done in, the, in my last bout of tattooing. It now means something to me. So there's a phrase from Duke Nukem, it's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of gum. And then there's another one from Quaker on camping, and there's a few more that's going to go on. So hopefully I'll end up with a sleeve before the end of the year. Full sleeve. Proper, colored, everything. That's amazing. So what we're going to talk about today is the fact that you go to market and you are paid to be an evangelist. And before our dear listeners switch off, we're not talking about religious evangelism. We're talking about technology evangelism. What does that mean? Well, well, there is the gospel of SharePoint. So, um. <laughs> yes, uh, I think IBM and a few others would disagree with you on, on the gospel of SharePoint. I think, I think we just lost a couple of listeners. Gone. Indeed. Well, look, indeed. <laughs> look, so Microsoft back in, I think it was 2006, wrote a white paper around ECM, you know, from a SharePoint perspective. And back then there were the open texts, the IBMs, the... EMCs or the documentums of the world that was very sort of a close-knit sort of boys club that SharePoint wasn't allowed to join and Microsoft has obliterated all of them with the advent of Office 365 and SharePoint Online. Now, there's no cloud services from IBM and if there is it's in a, a really minuscule state. The same with OpenText who bought Documentum from EMC about a year ago. They, they did in the water, um, so I'm not too worried about um, them. But yes, coming back to being an evangelist, I think it's a new term. Uh, 
I coined the phrase, I think I wrote a blog post around moving from consulting to evangelism at the end of the year. And the concept has been around for forever. What has brought it to the fore in the IT space is, and we have to attribute this to Kanye West. So Kanye West is a macro influencer. Think about Adidas Yeezys, all right? Kanye stands up there with arguably the cheapest shoe that Adidas has ever produced because it's got the sole, there's, it's one mold that the sole comes out of and the top, the fabric on the top looks like a cobbler shoe. There's one stitch, that's it. And that goes around the bottom. So Kanye went, this is cool. And what marketing companies over the last 18 months have realized is that there is a role for micro-influencers, especially in the technology field. And that has come to the fore over the last 18 months. I've been talking about using Twitter as a content aggregation platform as early as 2010. Uh, when I started with Intivate, I actually did a session on it. So I had to get information, gather information, look at brand management, personal brand management. Because, Nick, more so you than Warren, I, I don't know Warren that well as well as I know you, Nick, but NB Consult, you built a specific personal brand around your professionalism and all of those things that allowed you to create a business around that brand. I mean, there was no sensationalism because your ethical delivery mechanisms and all of those things and your attention to detail and how you delivered services to the industry that allowed you to go and say, I'm going to create NB Consult. And from that, I'll be able to deliver services on par with companies like Dimension Data, Business Connection, and all those things. It also allowed you to sell your services back to these companies because of capacity, skills, thought, leadership, all of those things. And where organizations look to you for thought leadership, it's actually cheaper for bigger organizations not to keep you on the payroll, but bring you in ad hoc and pay a premium for that service, but still not have to worry about paying you when you're on the bench. So brand management. That's right. That's something that we we call uh, white labeling in the industry. <laughs> yeah. I'm not too sure if we can use that, use that sort of term. Um, if you've got American listeners, they might go up against you based on what Trump had to say about um, the right <laughs> the right wing <laughs> stuff that was that been happening all across the news over the last four or five days. But coming back to evangelism. As a legal disclaimer, none of the content in this show has any racial connotations and should not be inferred as such. Okay, so so coming back to evangelism and brand management, it's one, you've got to establish a brand before you can move into evangelism. And I suppose evangelism is just a nicer way of ring-fencing me being excited about technology. And think about, let's look at religion if we can't talk, because right, we can't talk politics, religion, and sport. This is like going to a bri, man. Um, so, so coming back to, yes, evangelism like religion you get someone standing up front there, getting everyone excited about God. I do the same thing, or I'd like to think that I do the same thing, but I get people excited about the Microsoft stack of technology. You spoke about brand management before we go on. Let's just make brand management really practical. So let's pick on the the, the average technical guy out there. So since we've got Warren on the show, hi, Warren. Hi. We'll pick on Warren and... How would Warren start, and bear in mind that Warren may or may not be active in the community, how does Warren start the practicalities of brand management, and how does he start if he's not even aware that he even has a 
personal brand to manage? Okay, let's start at the beginning. Um, we all go to school, get educated, leave school, we work. And we're delivering a service for our employer in whatever way, shape or form. Your experience at your employer with a customer or if you're in that, or even if you are working for an organization that has technology, and I'll be specific around technology, is unique to your experience with that. So your experience, your understanding, your comprehension, and the narrative that you deliver expressing that is completely unique to everyone else. And for the longest time, I remember my first international conference, the best practice conference in La Jolla in San Diego. My primary concern was, man, I have to create an abstract with a title that nobody else has done before. So I spoke about um, COBIT for SharePoint because nobody spoke about that or dispelling the myths behind deployment planning services because I knew nobody would do that. So it's not that I had a, to a topic around effective document management for SharePoint because that's being done and being done. What I didn't realize is that my learnings and my experience is unique to me. And there's the possibility that my narrative would be on par with everyone's narrative or it would be a unique approach to what I'm doing. So don't be scared that someone else is already doing it. It's not about re reinventing the wheel. If you look what Deming did for Hiroshima and Nagasaki after World War II's atom bomb experiences, he went there and he revolutionized the economy there. Panasonic is the first, one of the, well, not the first, but if you look at what Panasonic's phrase that pays is, the quest for zero defect. They didn't invent anything. They just made it better. And you can use some of that when looking at brand management. So you have a job and you're performing a specific task. Ten years ago, I remember when Zlatan became an MVP. It was so difficult to get your name out there compared to today. Today, you can go to medium.com. Sign in with your Facebook account and start blogging in a browser without worrying about your WYSIWYG editor and what WordPress or Blogger or these things are doing. It's in the browser. It's simple. You can add images. You can even add code, code snippets, all of that. And you can start talking about your experiences. So start there. Go to medium.com right now and sign in and create. You don't even have to create a blog, uh, a publication. Just start writing about your experiences. It's that simple. What I'm getting out of this, Al, is that there is a start. The start doesn't matter what it is as long as there is a start, irrespective of what medium, excuse the pun, you may choose. <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter about the medium. There's so many different ways of producing and publishing content. So start there. There's no point in creating a Twitter account and you're not talking about stuff or you don't have your own content. There's a couple of ways to build brand. Um, one is, I would suggest, start writing about your experiences. People like the human factor of it. I mean, you could literally go into Twitter and retweet everything, but that's got nothing to do with you. That is someone else's opinion of something that you've literally just retweeted. So no one's going to see you as a person exposing their opinions, their views, their learnings to the world. So no one's going to think of you as an expert in any way, shape, or form, because that's really where you're going with brand management. If you look at how social media companies do brand management, strangely enough, my, my eldest is actually doing a BCom right now, and part of their courseware is around marketing, marketing campaigning, and brand management. And he's got a lot to say. We should have actually had him on the show. 
but building your own personal brand. And the reason why I believe your personal brand is important is because you work for a large ISV, Dimension Data, Data Centrics, Business Connection, and you spend three, four years of your life there building your internal brand. Your colleagues, your peers, people in the organization know who you are. But the minute you walk out of that door, your brand disappears because people on the outside have no concept of who you are. So that's, that's right. why I'm saying build your personal brand. Associate, look, in a utopian society, your personal brand is valuable to the company that you're working for and they allow you to build your personal brand and allow your personal goals, professionally as well as personally, with what they want to do around, okay, we need to build the skill internally. Then it's a match made in heaven. A lot of times you don't get that. You'll be fortunate to get into an organization that believes in that. A lot of organizations don't. A handful do. And if you can get into organizations based on that, the world is your oyster when it comes to building your personal brand because companies will associate with you based on the fact that your personal brand is seen as, okay, Alistair Pugin, Nicholas Blank, Orinda Toy, Jody Roberts, Tracy van der Scaife, and the other team that we have, Michael Johnson and the rest of the guys and, and girls that are MVPs, have built their brand to a point where Microsoft recognized them for doing that. And is that where you made the and jump? Not- is that where you drew the line? So you, you being a consultant, you were obviously, I mean, working for people beforehand. And were you building your brand as a consultant while working for someone? And then how did you make the jump from being a consultant to an evangelist? Where did you draw that line in the sand or did it just happen organically? And you were like, okay, well, this is where I want to take my brand and then move that way. I think the industry has matured and that's what it's brought to the fore. So the one article I read, I think it was November last year. If you want to look at at a person that, understands brand management that's been doing it for the better part of a decade, Christian Buckley, all right? (laughs) He is the poster child for building your own brand. He has a, let me give you some stats, right? So he has a tweet jam on Twitter, right? So a tweet jam is you go to a page, there's a bunch of questions, there's a ton of people on it, and he asks the question and a bunch of people answer it and uses the hashtag CollabTalk so that you can actually follow the stream. In a 45-minute discussion on Twitter, he averages 5 million impressions. That's amazing. That's a lot. Let let me let that sink in. 5 million impressions. In 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Okay. This is, you're talking Alan DeGeneres-type stats for IT. (laughs) He is the Oprah of... I'm actually going to call him that. He's the Oprah of personal branding when it comes to the space that I'm in. So coming back to what we were saying earlier on, how did I make the shift? Um, I suppose the stars aligned. I've been trying to build company, build capacity, get involved with companies to do this. And I moved to Bright House the beginning of Feb and they were ready for this. That's why I said the industry's matured. Companies are now seeing the value of personal brands that they can associate with because we make decisions in our limbic brain, all right? We don't make decisions based on how and why. The how and why reinforces our decisions. It's like buying um, a Yeti. Nick would have done the research. You would have done the research, Warren. And then you looked at it and went, ooh, it looks cool. Okay, we're going to buy it. And all that research goes out the window. But 
because of brand association, brand management. It's the same reason why I have a focus right. The phrase that pays was on the site they had, I think, uh, some bands on there that uses it and obviously by association. I like it, you like it, the next person likes it. Okay, it must be a good product. And we all make decisions. And it's Simon Sinek coined the phrase around starts with why. There's no emotion, there's no language in the limbic system. It's all emotion and trust driven. Why you eat the food you do, why you bulk up with a specific whey protein, why you use an iPhone instead of, forget the fact that an iPhone works. You bought an iPhone because of the brand and because of what Apple has done around brand management. They're the, probably arguably the best at doing brand management in the world for any, across any industry vertical. Um, they do it right. So get people to want to trust you. If they trust you, whatever comes out of your mouth, they're going to believe. And the only way to get that is to be emotional about what you're talking about. And my emotion comes from the fact that I really enjoy technology in the IT stack. Well, before Nicholas um, corrects me when I say technology, but when it comes to information technology, all aspects are hardware. Actually, software, I am going to that. correct you there. It's not just emotion because we don't track prima donnas for the sake of the the negativity that they generate. I think maybe a more accurate way of conveying is passion. We instinctively want to follow people who have a, a passion and can make a passionate argument for something, and we are instinctively drawn to that passion. So is it fair to say that you have a, a passion for technology as opposed to that you are emotional? Because a disgruntled consumer is also quite emotional about technology. Yes. I think for me, and it's taken me, it's taken me years, to, and I still don't, not necessarily accept it, but people can see that I'm passionate when I'm talking about technology, and, and that, that is the glue. That's the, the buzz that people mm. get and, and why my brand is, is effective in the space that I'm in is because I, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not, doing it for, I, I'm not doing it for the job. I'm doing it because yeah. I enjoy it. And I suppose that's the differentiating factor here. Is, and there was a TEDx article about some professor saying, do what you're passionate about and the rest will follow. That's what I tell my kids. Find your passion and don't go look for the highest paying job and then educate yourself to do that because three years from now, you're going to be lost. Find what you're passionate about and, and do that. And people will like you for being passionate about what you're doing and that's the attraction. I think there's also a lot That's of humor in what you do as well. I think you, you could be, quite a, you could be quite, a, quite a fun person, you know, a little bit of an oh. <laughs> egomaniac. Uh, you like shoes. I mean, I like shoes too, but I think you have more shoes than me. Um. <laughs> no, it's not even about shoes. I like socks, mate. I oh, put is it? more okay, socks, socks than socks. shoes. Um, shoes, my kids bought me a pair of um, Nike Air Max 90 Essentials and the factory show had a sale, so I bought one in each color and now I just want more. Um, but yes, from a fashion perspective, it's always been, it's been something... Um, <laughs> It's been something that, that's always been part of me. I, I did ramp modeling when I was a teenager. So ah, okay. That, that makes sense my, now. That makes sense. So then when, 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 when you talk about your brand specifically, it doesn't matter whether it's the socks, whether you're talking about SharePoint, um, what, what is the point? I mean, obviously you're passionate about it. 
And um, how do you think your brand benefits others? I mean, I see it benefits me. Uh, so how do you Look, think it benefits a, people from, when you talk, when you do your podcasts, when you talk in front of people? From a purely statistical level, it's simple math. Compounded reach. That's what it is. And also, if I say Warren's cool, people that think I'm cool will, by association, think you're cool. Simple enough. I'm not trying to be egotistical about it. Simple terms. Look at compounded reach. So if I retweet something that you've tweeted, all my followers see it. If one of my followers retweets that, all of their followers see it. So if you take five retweets from five different people, look at the compounded reach of that. And, and that's where associating yourself with other people in the industry that are thought leaders immediately gives you a springboard to grow your brand much faster than if you weren't associated with those people. So mechanically, that's how it works. Are you happy with your brand? What would you change? Is there something that you change? Has there anything that's happened that's sort of made you feel negative about stuff? Like somebody that said something, how do you handle it when somebody says, hey, well, I think uh, Al's a hot bag of air or something like no, that. Has no. that ever happened before? How do you handle that? Stra- stra- strangely enough, um, a mate of mine in the UK pinged me at, I think it was 1.30 this morning on Facebook Messenger and he had a little bit of rant about something. And I think I've learned over the years, and this is more personal stuff, sort of Zen type Okay, how do you react to a situation? Because I'm very emotive, naturally there's fire and brimstone um, when someone says something bad. But I've had to teach myself that everyone has their own opinion about everything that you do. You need to choose how you're going to react to a situation. And the fact that someone has said something about something that I've done or have been involved in means that they took the time out of their day to actually go look at it, read it, listened to it, and then commented about it. Mission accomplished. I win already. (laughs) So it doesn't matter what that human is saying, positive or negative. The negativity I take as constructive criticism, and there's some value in it. Because you must remember, my version of reality is different to yours. So naturally, I am going to view things differently to you. So I don't react. Um, My reactions, I suppose, just I've learned to not... The rule of the five, three five. So what is your reaction five minutes from now? What is it going to be f- five hours from now? And what is it going to be five days from now? And if you go through that process, what is, what's it going to do for you to just blatantly act? You know, there are times I've written some, some scathing blog posts around things that I'm passionate about. Um, personal branding is your personal brand. Uh, don't try to sell your company through that personal brand. Naturally, Whatever company you're associated with gravitates towards that. It's the same with people coming up to me and saying, so how do I become an MVP? What are the tick boxes? That's the wrong question. If you're passionate about what you do, and also if you're passionate about seeing other people grow and learning through sharing, then whatever comes with that is valuable. And companies see that, people see that. I love building community. Um, It's been difficult over the last 18 months because... The type of people have changed. People don't like driving to Microsoft on the second Tuesday of every month to listen to someone waffle on because of traffic and they are busy. They'd rather consume 
20 minutes of a conversation via YouTube or a podcast. So community is changing as well. Also, they only right serve they work, only serve biscuits now. I mean, back they used to serve such nice food. Now it's just biscuits. Oh, you're talking about Cape Town or Johannesburg? <laughs> serves proper food, mate. Well, um, every time I've been to Joburg lately, it's biscuits. But that's also so. This is what you need to understand about Microsoft when it comes to year end, two months before year end, and two months afterwards. They literally steal the budget for community night two months before the year end. And then they still need to get the New Year's community budget approved, which usually takes two months. So I can understand why they're rationing you. Yeah, for sure. But yes, coming back to to the brand thing, start start with a simple blog post. You don't have to go and spend copious amounts of money like the two of you have done on Yeti microphones um, to create a podcast. I start small. Have conversations with people. Um, talk to other people that you see as thought leaders. Well, that's why you're on the show. <laughs> I guarantee you, we all here and we all want to help you because that's what, what we get out of this. Being able to help someone else um, put together stuff, um, get their brand out there. Because you must remember, the more people talk about the technology that we're excited about, the better it is for everyone. We benefit because that person starts writing a blog and they work for a customer and they talk to their manager about what they're doing and the manager gets excited. So that that's just one... It's, mutualistic symbiosis that's the ecosystem that we want to build because we employed to perform a specific task our bread and butter is to deliver in my case enablement and strategy and excitement around technology um, even though i'm still doing delivery but for the most part consultants are there to deliver and get people excited so it's not a huge morph or switch consultants do it anyway anyone that's presented in front of more than Two people, they're telling a story because we're all storytellers at the end of the day. And Mark Miller is arguably one of the greatest storytellers in the space that we're in. And he moved from SharePoint into DevOps, doing something completely different. So the nice thing about building a brand around being an evangelist is you get to a stage where the technology you're talking about is ubiquitous. Are we seeing that morph in Office 365? Look at Nick talking about Exchange and OneDrive. But OneDrive was always the SharePoint person stuff. Whereas now it's not just SharePoint. Nick's doing OneDrive stuff. And it's around content management. So the lines are being blurred around the technology stack from Microsoft. I mean, Warren, you're in Azure MVP. You're touching everything, including Azure Information Protection. What what is your core focus? To be honest, it's it's a bit of everything, but I would say when it comes to the things that I've been dealing with now, it's been a lot in the networking side, app services side, security side, DevOps side. Okay. So I think it just, so, it depends. It, and you know, it's moving so quickly. I mean, uh, we, we wanted and to- And your original passion, which is open source. Yes, open, open source, source deployment. Yeah, 100%. And we, you know, we were last, last week or the week before, the guys released ACI, so container instances. I mean, that's a huge thing. Uh, what is what is ACI? ACI is Azure, Azure Container, Azure, yeah, Azure, Azure Container, container Instances, and uh, basically okay, Microsoft right. are giving you the ability to run containers and manage those containers in a Docker-like fashion, but straight from okay, Azure, so, straight so from the portal. So it's 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 Microsoft's version of Docker. Exactly, yeah, and it, it it's it's, Very, it's huge because it allows you to do orchestration via the Azure CLI. So look at that for twenty three seconds. You got really excited about talking about ACI. You lit up like a Christmas tree. The octaves in your voice spiked. Your little epiglottis fluttered. And that's the quan, mate. 
like in Jerry Maguire, where they talk about him being the ambassador of corn. That's the shit right there. So if you go to wheezeal.com, there's a blurb about me around the ambassador of corn, and that's how I see it. Coming back to what you were saying, so you're an Azure MVP, but you've got a core focus area, which is Linux. Yes. All right. So think about, see yourself as a ninja. All right. The reason why I refer to this is because a ninja would have a specific discipline. They can do seven different types of karate. So taekwondo, jujitsu, all the other bits. But they're either good with a samurai or a shuriken or nunchucks or whatever. So they've got a specific core focus area, which they're 100% hot at. And then the other ones are all sort of peripheral. They still have the industry knowledge around that. And that's how I see us as, as consulting evangelists. It's the same with SharePoint. Um, SharePoint, look at Rod. Rod loves process management. So workflow and forms is his go-to. Search, he understands. He understands list libraries, all the other bits. And yes, he can configure all of that. But his speciality is process management. And a lot of people have built their brands around that. You look at Agnes Molnar. She is the search lady. So when anyone thinks of search, we know she's the de facto goddess of search. Everyone runs to her. You look at Neil Hodgkinson. He built the hybrid engine for SharePoint on-premise into Office 365. So he's the de facto. Look at Spencer Harbor. UPS. There isn't anyone that knows more about UPS than Spencer. And they've built their personal brand specifically around those things. In my case, I just talk a lot of about everything. Um, and that's my personal brand. That's but that's I'm okay, saying. though, because you can, you can also, and this happens most of the time, is you get brought in for a specific thing. And then what happens is the client didn't even know a specific technology could do something or that it existed. And then you sort of end up educating them and telling them, well, yes, it can actually do that the way you want it to. You just got to do it this way. I suppose from, from my perspective, I got into SharePoint very differently. I actually got into SharePoint before SharePoint was SharePoint. So I come from a very rich theoretical knowledge management, knowledge fundamentals, understanding, tacit, codified, very rigid, very structured. It's going to take you three years to implement proper knowledge management fundamentals. Whereas SharePoint people today have no concept of the theory and the science behind building an effective knowledge economy in the organization. And that would be my value add. Outside of being a, a search specialist or a forms and workflow specialist or a document management specialist, or although from a records management perspective, I, I suppose I could do that because back in the old days, that's all we did was records management. So yeah, I suppose it, it's go find your piece of Coolsville and build on top of it. Because right now, welcome to Coolsville, population us. It's from uh, the Iron Giant, and it's great. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy what I do now. Uh, I've got the podcast with the modeling. I love that. All right, enough about evangelism. We've got to get onto the questions. Well, before we get onto the, the questions, I just want to tail with Warren got to be known in the, the ecosystem as the open source Linux guy. And... Awesome how he did open source in Azure and how... So one of Warren's favorite demos at the time was how to do a VM provisioning with three lines of bash. And then once that VM was provisioned, how to do stuff to that VM 
from Bash. And people couldn't believe that this is the kind of thing that you could do from a, a command line. So a lot of his passion was aligned originally towards open source and then using Azure as an implementation platform of that. I started off, this is goodness, um, many, many years ago when I was an exchange administrator working for a, a global law firm in the UK. And we had some challenges and those challenges were normally fulfilled by literally teams of people. And we were in the middle of a groupwise migration and how we used to do attribute consistency is that we had two admin people who would open up two screens, one in exchange, one in groupwise, and literally read attributes to each other to make sure that names and surnames were populated correctly before mailboxes went live. And then of course, send an email to Hotmail and make sure that it got there to make sure the email address was correct. And I looked at all of this and I was very frustrated by the inefficiency of it. And I picked up VB script and CDO and I scripted all of this and I took a three day process for mailbox conversion because every batch took that long. And I made it literally minutes since everything was automated. And of course, these days we, we do that in PowerShell. However, I started by taking the learnings of that and publishing it on outlookexchange.com, which is where some of my earliest writing came from. And a lot of the things that we did to build our brand actually came out of the fact that we had a passion for sharing. We thought that what we had was worth sharing with someone or we wanted to solve someone's problem. And one of the things I like to say to anyone who'll give me the time to listen is that you should blog or tweet or share with anyone because someone will have the issue that you're facing as opposed to you thinking it's too simple to share. Yeah, it's Exactly that. Um, write for yourself. Let's get it out there. Because if you're writing mm. for an audience, don't write. Because that's... Agreed. That, if you're doing this for the sake of self-promotion only, then it'll come across, your passion won't be there, and it, it'll fail. But yeah. with that, and we've spoken about passion and your passion for socks, which is actually one of Odd Modlin's two questions. I think we've covered the socks. I'm going to go to his first question, actually, which is, how do you as Alistair, keep up with all the changes in the ecosystem, be it cloud or on-premises? It's very easy. I have a podcast with Odd Modeling, and every week we have to talk about new things that happen in the space, specifically around Office 365, but it's not only limited to that. So when we generate show notes, the show notes have to be factual and backed up by proper, well-researched information. And when we don't just randomly waffle on incoherently about and opinions, although there are opinions in it, but we have to do the proper research. And if it wasn't for two guys in SharePoint, I would not be as well-read as I am because I have to be well-read to be able to provide the section around news. So both myself and Odd, and this inadvertently happens to benefit me because of the show. And I love doing the show. I don't care if there's one or 21 people or 221 people listening to our podcast. I just dig talking to Rod about and it just happens to be that we both talk about technology. Um, okay. So okay, so and the, the passion comes across again. Yeah, but also you generally surround yourself with people that share, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So I look yes. at conversations I have with mates on Facebook because, you know, if you're not on Facebook, you don't exist as, you don't exist. You're a, you're a rogue amoeba. And <laughs> <laughs> Excuse the pun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we have conversations on Facebook and my non-technical friends from back in the day, school and all of those things, 
have no concept of what I'm talking about. But Facebook takes six degrees of separation and brings it down to one degree of separation. And also That's the Microsoft right. community adds that as well. So I'm having a conversation right now on Facebook about kit for portable video live streaming without spending 10,000 pounds on broadcast quality um, kit, you know? And I'm chatting to people across the world. And that's really where the excitement comes from. And that's how I keep up to date. And you don't think much about it because you're having a conversation around it with mates. But that inadvertently affects. And because I live, breathe, sleep, repeat technology, technology is part of my life. I mean, if I go camping, I'm not going to stay in a tent. I'm going to stay in a chalet and there must be power and internet. It's just become part of, it's ingrained in the surface of my cerebral cortex. Um, it's it's great I'm, that your definition of camping is it has a roof, it has internet, and it has power, and it's got trees. Um, there's a yeah, and people can sit on grass. That's well, camping. your trees and grass that defines camping. So that that kind of is what you do when you go home. Yeah. So with that, I'm going to go for a bunch of rapid fire questions, and these come from Martina Grom and. Martina is one of our, our favorite Office 365 evangelists. She does this really well. And she has a bunch of questions for you, Alistair, in terms of what is your favorite technology within Office 365? And I think that may be a foregone conclusion for you. No, it's definitely not SharePoint. Let me put it to you that way, mate. Is that right? It's not SharePoint. But was it SharePoint? Does the target keep moving? No. It... Look, I'm a proper geek. I like tin. I like kit. You know this. I justify spending money on random bits of hardware. What's my favorite bit of tech when it comes to Office 365? I don't like Teams. You don't like Teams? Is he allowed to say that in public? I don't. I don't like Teams. Teams turns SharePoint into a content black hole with information methane. So the construct of knowledge management and enterprise content management is out the window. It's gone. Missing. Like ninja dust. It's gone. So ECM no longer exists. AIM and all the other industry people are talking about content services. So people new to SharePoint do not care where content is stored. They don't. You spin up a team, you get a team site with it, you get an Office 365 group, and you get all the other uh, companion apps that go with that to give you functionality. There's no retention, no disposition. You can't, you can't templatize teams so that you get all of this functionality. It's all ad hoc. Maybe Teams version 1.1 um, will be a better iteration of what I consider traditional enterprise content management. So no, I don't like Teams. That means that you'll also not like groups because groups are part of Teams. And I would imagine that with group sprawl and team sprawl, what that does to SharePoint URLs as these things grow organically and everyone can do what they'd like to do. No, from, a, from an architectural perspective, I love groups. Groups is the glue. Right? And yes, my favorite bit of tech, would be groups. Not the typical, oh, look, there's an Office 365 group in my Outlook group, but the mechanics behind groups and how it keeps everything together. I think Microsoft has done amazing things when they thought through what Office 365 groups does. It's great. It's your permissions model. It's how you handle access and authentication at that level and everything's connected to it. It's the service bus for Office 365. So my hmm. favorite bit of tech, definitely groups. Martina asks if you'd 
And I think some of it is already answered. If you would use Teams, Groups, or Yammer as a communication tool. So when Teams was launched last year, I think in November, everyone was in uproar at the MVP Summit as well. So, well, we've got Teams, Planner, Groups, Yammer, because they all do a bit of everything. What Yet another collaboration tool. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so that's, that's what you have. I understand why Microsoft created Teams. Slack just spiraled out of control. It was easier to build a new product than to ret retrofit Yammer. And I never, ever, ever, well, it's not that I never liked Yammer. I never liked the way Microsoft Kool-Aided with a funnel down our throats, Yammer. And I think Yammer got a bad rap and I got raked over the knuckles for writing posts like the people versus Yammer, you know. When it comes to, there's a place for everything. So I'll use, I'll use examples, actually real-world examples. Go to any dev house in the world right now and chances are they're using Slack. Microsoft created That's Teams right. because they want to give the dev house Teams because chances are they have Office 365 anyway. So it's a great chat-based workspace and you can do a whole bunch of things around that. So Teams for exactly that. Look at consulting services. So I need to deliver some work for a customer. So... It's myself at a glorified architect because um, I use that term loosely. I've got a designer, I've got a project manager, and I've got someone building workflows. So that's four of us collaborating around a project. Usually you'd create a project site or you'd create a, a traditional team site in SharePoint, and that would be uploading a document. It would be time-based collaboration or turn-based collaboration. You understand turn-based? Uh, you perform specific moves, and then you hit, okay, it's your turn, it's like playing chess. Whereas what Teams gives you now is instant messaging, which is great, so real-time chats. And because of the glue in the back end, you can break out to a Skype call or a, a Teams call, which is somehow using link encoding somewhere at the back end, and so forth, so on. So it brings everything together. You've got a single point of entry, and it's becoming the new UI into your content management system. Because people don't care about where SharePoint is or you need to navigate to a portal. Everything is driven by Teams. And we're going to see Teams take over the front end for that single point of entry, one version of the truth, because you break out from there. Upload a document, have a conversation, create a call, set up a meeting, add tasks to planner, Look at Kanban and all of those things. And it's driven out of one single UI. And it's cool because millennials can download the app and I use the app. And that's Besides some of the confusion that comes from those of us who've been around for a little bit, because now we have Microsoft Teams, we have Teams sites in SharePoint. And that's not the first time where we've got a familiar concept like a group. A group used to be a security group, and then it was a mail group, and then it was a distribution group. And then, just to make things even more confusing, we now have this thing called an Office 365 group, which used to be something else. Yeah. So, it's one of the things about um, how to keep up, and I think the challenge there is not how to keep up with technology, but how to keep up with, with Microsoft marketing. Well, next I question is... Hold on, just Sorry, one on that. I, I just got to finish that. So Teams for team-type collaboration, Yammer for group-wide announcements, and also e-discovery. I'll give you an example. So Dimension Data, 30,000 staff. If I want to find someone in 
Phoenix, Arizona that knows about energy companies in the States, I'd be able to go into our Yammer group and find that person. And also external file sharing, or external sharing, which Teams hasn't got yet. It's just much wider. You cast a much wider net with Yammer. And I'm thoroughly enjoying Yammer right now because it's fit for purpose in communicating with people across the planet. I think what you said there is uh, probably the most relevant thing for the, the choice of any one of these tools, that it is a fit for purpose. And a lot of the times Microsoft releases a mechanism and there's a collective groan from the industry that there's yet another thing to choose from. And the point is that Microsoft is a productivity company. And with that, there is no one way to do productivity. If that is Microsoft to do, or if that's Wonderlist, or if that's literally the to do section in, in Outlook, there are many, many ways to do productivity. Look, Microsoft is the Jacques Callis of IT. That's what it boils down to. They're an all rounder. They're giving you an enablement tool set for productivity enrichment. How you slice dice that is what you pay us to come in and help you with. Really, that's what it is. But okay, I think it's also I think it's also I think it's also Satya or at least the new Microsoft that's helping that. Because I remember back in the day when Microsoft used to try release a version of something, they would take so long to update it with the things that people found wrong with it or the things that people were talking about afterwards. And I think that was their biggest issue. But nowadays you can see that their continuous delivery model and the way that they're patching certain technologies, as soon as they release something, either they improve it straight away or they get rid of it, which is also a great thing with Microsoft at the moment, or at least I find. Well, if you're one of the three people that you use, that's using that feature, when they rip it out from under you, um, you're not very happy with Microsoft. That's <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, right. It's two sides. So, yes, uh, best approach for cloud. There is no best approach for cloud. There isn't. There literally isn't. Uh, people think that they, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Um, we can just move to the cloud. Companies that have nothing, it's a logical step to, okay, I'm starting a company. What do I do? Great. I can go straight to cloud and I can do everything there. Literally do everything there. Organizations that are traditional been working with, they've got more than five blades in more than three racks in a building somewhere that they own. Best approach, start small. Easy lift and shift, move your mailboxes. Simple. Um, grow into it. And then switching on that periodic table of companion apps, find a use case and grow from there. This blanketed approach of, oh no, we can move everything to the cloud. Click that button and a tool will move it there. No. A lot of planning goes into it. Plan up front. Plan your entire life up front before moving anything. But start small. Move mailboxes. Go from there. You might find that it's not that small to move mailboxes and it's going to take you a year just to get everyone's mailboxes into the cloud. But there's no, okay, jump through this soup, run down this road, turn left at the robot and skip a passing beginning, go straight to jail. There's, there's no route. A lot of people think that, oh, this is what you can do, you can't do. All businesses are different. Um, there are industry verticals that also influence it. So working in the mining sector, it's completely different from working in the fast-moving consumer goods sector versus working in the financial services industry. And they all have different approaches and methodologies and understanding of moving to the cloud. So now there's no one-size-fits-all when it comes to best approach. It's like consultants say, well, it depends. 
Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll coin that. And then on the back of that, is the South African market ready for Clyde? We're getting two data centers. Well, we're getting two locations for data centers, Cape Town, Johannesburg, and we're getting three services. We're getting the Azure DC, we're getting an Office 365 and a CRM DC. So very excited about that. I don't think South Africa as a country is ready for it when it comes to technical enablement. Um, that's going to go through the roof. And we're going to see data repatriation coming through hard and fast when Microsoft flips that switch that says, ta-da, you now have a region that you can actually store content. Okay. I would argue that we've been cloud ready for a while since, you know, in all fairness, it's only 150 milliseconds from us to the nearest data center. And that means, of course, it doesn't work for everyone, but it will work for a lot of people. And I think we've been cloud ready as a market for a while. And the thing that stopped us hasn't been the location of local data centers, but of course, trust. Do people trust in cloud? And I think no, that argument has been won. I disagree won. with you completely. Go on. So when I send an email and it leaves my outbox and it gets to you, do you measure the time it takes from my outbox to your inbox? Well, not at all, because we've got an asynchronous experience. Yeah, but it's you don't measure the time, right? Hmm. So it's not like I am on a call and I'm saying, I'm sending you a mail now, and then if it takes more than five seconds to get to you, you say, ah, f- I'm not going to read it. I think I think it's the the, te- the te- technology is 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 wrong that you're talking about. Email, yeah, sure, hundred percent. But if you if you if you're looking at a at an Azure point of view, where somebody's looking at shifting their databases and those kinds of things, um, or you even, know, even using voice, voice, yeah, or, or voice for that matter, yeah. For for instance, I've done a lot of work in the Skype for Business space at the moment. And um, the Cloud Connector Edition, everybody wants a Cloud Connector Edition. They want to be able to make PSTN calls. The, the, yeah, the, yeah. the, the problem here is that your Cloud Connector Edition will sit here and your Skype for Business is homed in Europe. Um, that, that obviously make, has a huge impact. And then, you know, you've got guys who have got these incredibly sized databases. Um, they want to do machine learning and they want to do all this, all this lovely stuff. But when it when they say, okay, well, my database can change on an average of let's say five to twenty gig a day, uh, that three hundred and fifty milliseconds uh, to the Azure data center oh, overseas, yeah. that, that 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 then then takes takes its toll. So I think in some ways, maybe on the Office three six five side, you know, mail doesn't really matter that much. However, I think the guys who want to put their, I mean, no, I think South African guys are really deciding that they don't want data centers anymore, which I think puts us a little bit further ahead than some of the overseas guys because they we've started to see the change and we're like, why must I manage a data center now? So I think when it comes to moving the DCs into an Azure space, I think South Africa is very ready for it. No, um, I don't think we're ready. From an enablement perspective, we don't have enough skills in country. I think everyone is going to think, well, Okay, now that we, our latency has been answered, we can just move everything because you're going to have customers say that. Then you're going to have the rest of Africa going, okay, it's on the continent. We don't have to go into an ocean somewhere and worry about connectivity because we've got peering points throughout Africa um, with various ISPs. So we can go straight to the source and they're going to want to move their data. And then the 11 or so thousand tenants that sitting in Ireland or wherever else is going to want to go and say, well, move my content back into country. 
And that's going to happen as soon as they flip that switch. We're going to be inundated with calls. Everyone's going to go, okay, we can move to the cloud. You've been telling us for five years now, we need to move to the cloud. Okay, move. And they're going to do that all at the same time. And it's coming. And we're not ready. We, we, we're not. For every what is it that we're not ready for? To do that. Technically. As people. Not that the infrastructure is not going to be there. We just don't have enough hands and expertise. I mean, mm. what? Are they going to clone everyone 27 times because the demand is going to go through the roof? Think about fiber right now. It's the same thing. All of a sudden, you've got four different companies knocking up <laughs> the tar in your road to lay fiber because demand has, has leapfrogged supply. Now it's becoming dirt cheap. Every third month, someone's dropping a cost. Oh, Telcom, oh, we want unlimited fiber to the house. So let's drop all the prices. And then you've got Vumatel going, ooh, okay. So no longer is it 1247 for a hundred meg line. We're gonna charge 899. And then someone else like Octotel goes, hmm, okay, let's be competitive and we make it 849. That's gonna happen. You're gonna you're gonna have the same. <laughs> we are no longer gonna have to sell cloud. We're gonna have customers phoning, hi there. Um, can you move us to the cloud, please? And we don't have capacity to deliver that. Okay. Well, I guess it's not a bad thing. I mean, every revolution had its problems. <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing wrong with that because all I'm going to do on the back end is go and say, we're going to create Office 365 Nightmares, a YouTube channel like Gordon Ramsay, and we're going to run two years into the migration of everyone to Office 365 in-country and go fix it up. It's great. Al, we're coming to the end of the, the show, but before we do that, we want to ask you, is there anything that you want to plug? Anything of yours? Obviously, you've got a show that's going on. Do you have a, a blog, a Twitch account, anything that you want to share? Oh, I suppose self-promotion. Yeah, two guys in SharePoint. So just Google two guys in SharePoint. And that's my favorite right now. You can find me on ReOffice365. So just Google ReOffice365. I occasionally post there. How do we spell that? R-E. Office 365. Thank you. Then also the Cloud Geeks, uh, ECM Ninja, where else? Um, find me on the Twitter writers and the interwebs, at Alistair Pugin, pretty much everywhere. But the podcast stuff. So you're on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes. iTunes, one word, two guys on SharePoint. Um, subscribe to us and, and enjoy what we have to say. And also, big shout out to the Cloud Architects. What are you guys called again? Yes, yes, that's right. All right, did I get it right, Tell? Oh, and then last but not least, what podcast kit do I use? That was a question, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, right now, I'm using a Focusrite uh, Scarlett uh, 2i2 Studio Kit. Uh, it's got a large diaphragm condenser mic. You don't need the kit. Buy yourself a Yeti. It's all you need. And that's for stationary recording. From a mobile perspective, I've just bought an H4N Pro Zoom. Um, and... That's my mobile recording of choice. And from a video perspective, I'll be posting that later tomorrow on Facebook. And then what theme do you use on your alistairfusion.net? What theme? That HDR bootstrap thing? Yes. I have no idea. I can't remember. I love the timeline. I think it's great. The timeline at the bottom. There's so many. So, so just Google. Um, would you like me to Google? Let me Google that for you. No, it's fine. I'll do it. Free HTML5 bootstrap templates with a timeline. And trust me, you'll get like 200 of them. Okay, cool. It's all there. 
It's it's right there. You can even use WordPress. I went through a bootstrap phase. Go look at wooisal.com, alistapujun.net. Um, do I have others? <laughs> um, also, go to informationworker.org. Hit us up on meetup.com. Look for Information Worker South Africa. Also look for the Office 365 UG. That also happens because there's a lot of merging going on. And yeah, come talk to us. Ping me on Twitter. Easiest way to get all of me. My phone has Twitter notifications enabled. So you will definitely get an answer from me. Don't DM me because I don't solicit that way. Okay. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you. Alistair, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a, a pleasure interviewing you Always. about how to become an evangelist. Well, you just, we just talked for an hour and three minutes, mate. <laughs> All right, boys. It's been great, and I'll chat to you soon. Ciao, ciao. You can find me, Nicholas, on the Twitter at Nicholas Blank, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn, and I blog at blankmanblog.com. You can find me on Twitter at WarrenDT, as well as our show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash thearchitects.cloud, and our website, http colon forward slash forward slash thearchitects.cloud, and our blog at www.waza.co.za. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.